Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna... What is up, Bills Mafia? Happy Tuesday. The Buffalo Bills held their third training camp practice. It was a packed one, to be honest with you. Another second straight day was closed to the public, and I have all my observations live for you at NewYorkUpstate.com, Syracuse.com as well. This is the Shout Buffalo Bills football podcast. Uh, And as always, we are brought to you by by our very good friends at Value Home Centers. Go to valuehomecenters.com right now. Shop online. They will if, if you find what you want online, they will find it from their warehouse. They'll ship it to the store close to you. You'll pick it up or they'll ship it right to your house. Ryan, I know you're jumping on here late. I'm all over the place. I thought I gave you the link. I didn't. Uh, I had to get it started here before the break. I knew you are going to be in here any minute. What's up, buddy? Hey, not too much. Yeah, I was wondering. I was like, <laughs> you're like, are you good? I'm like, yeah, just waiting on the link. So glad to be here. <laughs> glad to have you. So we are going to dive into this practice. There is a ton uh, to break down. Uh, there was a lot of, uh, you know, interesting, uh, a couple new names that we could talk about. The Bills had one-on-ones for the first time today. There was a couple, I didn't write about the defensive performances. Uh, they weren't pads yet. So I felt like defensive line versus offensive line. I didn't really want to focus too much in on that. I was, I was more paying attention to tight ends versus uh, safeties. And then uh, obviously cornerbacks versus wide receivers. We have some stuff to get into there. And then the big one, finally, we have the punter V punter showdown it was eight kicks for eight punts for matt hawk seven punts uh for matt ariza i'll also have some holding recap to get you as well ryan where do you want to start there's a lot to get into today well let's start at punta palooza i got to check that out a little bit uh i think they would like to know a little bit about the punting and, and the holding itself matt right so the first thing i will say is p- practice started and the, they were doing some walk through 11 on 11 and at the end they they threw out the the kicking team to to, to do some field goals and Matt or uh, Matt Ariza had two occasions where he was able to hold so that's the first time we've seen Ariza hold Ariza I, I always say it wrong Ariza uh hold this entire off season into training camp it was the first time so everybody got out their notebooks they started writing down and then I think taking you into first of all just the idea of observing the hold it's kind of strange i've never done it before i've never actually like zeroed in on what it's actually going to look like to hold but everything looked great ryan i mean every time uh it ended up being uh nine holds i believe on the day because they went up doing they ended up doing a field goal drill after that and every single time tyler bass 
popped up. He made every field goal. He gave a slap to a, a Riza and every single one. There was no issues with the transfer, with the snap, putting it down, kicking it through. All the kicks looked hard. They looked, they looked like if, if Matt Hawk was holding him. So we'll get to the punt competition, but just from a holding perspective, that was a big bar to clear for Ariza. Now to have that confidence moving forward, like, all right, all eyes were on me. Day three of training camp. I got through all the holes and they were all good. Yeah, that, that's the big thing that fans have been waiting for and waiting to hear about in terms of the punting competition. Can Matt Ariza hold for Tyler Bass? Uh, we, we talked about the importance of it last year. It was the big reason why Matt Hawk held on to the job. So to have Ariza come in and be successful on day one on every single one of the holds, that's an encouraging sign. Now, mind you, there, there's still a few weeks of camp left. There's there's uh, the preseason that being said, Ariza, you know, this isn't exactly like the first time he's done this. He, he's been working with Nick Novak on it. Uh, it's something that he knew he would have to do in the NFL. The NFL has gone away from having quarterbacks hold in, in most scenarios. There might still be a few here and there, but the way practices are broken up now, you have quarterback drills going on, special teams drills going on. So uh, it's hard to pull a quarterback away from those drills to have them work on holding and kicks and all of that. So for the most part, it is all punchers doing the holding this time of year. But yeah, it's it's good to hear that Ariza cleared that first bar. Now let's get to the actual punting, which I think most fans went into camp thinking, all right, Ariza is going to have the leg up here. Uh, no pun intended, because he's got this big booming leg. So it was um, eight kicks for Hawk and seven kicks for Ariza. And I, I thought Matt Hawk really won the day. I thought there was a, I'd say three of the seven for Ariza, I thought were, were solid. were good. One was an absolute boomer. It was high and it was deep and Tavon Austin was back and he kind of muffed it for a moment, but he muffed it. And then he quickly picked it back up before the coverage got there. So not big news there. There was that, but Matt Hawk, where, where I really thought that he stood out today was he had a couple like 60 ish yard punts. And in that weather, you're going to expect that the problem with Matt Hawk is we're in the summer. So you're kind of the part of the evaluation is how bad he was in the weather last year. And so knowing that that is the situation, he's got a really impress. And he did today, the hang time, the difference in hang time was obvious. And I wasn't tracking them. Like I mentioned uh, yesterday, if you, uh, I'm pretty sure Joe Biscali is going to have, uh, if you subscribe to the athletic, he's going to have hang times. He had the timer out. So go check that out there. But they were just, it was just different. And there was actually one that had really good hang time. And Mark has Stevenson was back. And I think the hang time was so good. It kind of screwed with Stevenson on the play and he completely muffed it. He kind of walked off. He kind of seemed a little bit uh, upset about it. And then another really good hang time punt had Isaiah McKenzie kind of trying to deal with it, how high it went, judging where it was going to land. And then when he got there at the last second, he decided I'm going to get out of Dodge and he, and he just kind of moved out of the way and let it fall because, and, and that's what good hang time will do to a returner, especially with the coverage kind of bearing down on you. So I thought Hawk had the better day punting. I thought that there was a few, there was one from Ariza where he, he just boomed in. It was kind of like a line drive went out of the end zone. You don't want to see that in that drill. And then he had one really good one uh, at one point. I thought he had some better hang time on one of his later kicks as well, but we're going to start to look at this. They're going to, this is one of the premier competitions in training camp. We're going to see more of this as the days go on. 
Yeah, and listen, good for Matter, uh, not Matterize, Matt Hawk to to show up and perform well here on on this first day of the competition between the two. He he's going to need a perfect training camp, in my opinion, Matt, to uh, t- beat out Ariza. Uh, you mentioned it. It's the weather. It's the elements. It's the wind. We saw him in games last year where he was kicking the ball off the side of his foot, where he was holding the ball a split second too long or a half second too long. And that would lead to a block punt. You go to the week one game against Pittsburgh. You know, you could you could point to that block punt as the Bills losing that game. Obviously, it wasn't just on Matt Hawk for that one specifically, but he was very inconsistent, very underwhelming as a punter. Uh, that's not to say that he's not going to have a strong summer or latch on somewhere else, but with Ariza, at least you know you have a bigger leg there. You you probably, as long as he doesn't hold the ball as much or as long as Hawk, I still see Ariza winning this one out. He, he obviously did have a little bit too much hype coming into the draft. Uh, some analysts had him as high as a third-round pick, and we, we know that that didn't end up happening. But he has the big leg. He has the ability to hold. Uh, you have him on a, a very friendly deal, not that punters break the bank by any stretch of the imagination, but I would be stunned if Matt Ariza does not win this punting competition. Indeed. Anyway, where do you want to go next? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn the show over to you for a few minutes. I started without you. Um, uh, go ahead. Yeah, well, let's go James Cook. It sounds like the rookie back had another nice day for the Bills. He's someone that might force his way onto the field sooner than either of us maybe expected after he was drafted. So I am I'm really trying to stop myself from jumping aboard full blast on the James Cook hype train because the pads aren't even on yet. So it's like everything that we're seeing right now, there's some impressive plays today. And I want to go, you know, through a couple of them. But it's just a situation where you don't want to go too much too soon. And I'm actually going to go through um, my notebook here because I want to find the two plays in particular. I'll start with the first one and I'll turn it over to you uh, to talk about Cook a little bit and your impressions of the, of the camp that he's had so far. But the first one was just the way that I think Josh Reed, my, my, uh, my, my partner over on uh, Channel 4, he said it so good. When you watch Cook, it's like he just glides. It's It's not like he... Um, has to turn up. He has this like ability to just hit top speed like super quickly and then sustain that that speed. And so uh, on one play, he took a a, a, sh- a short pass, turned it upfield, and before you know it, he got past two or three defenders, got around a block on the outside. I think it might have been a receiver, and there it is, one on one, mano a mano with Dane Jackson. I don't think Jackson was able to locate where Cook was on the field. So when it was there and it was like the moment of impact, it was like, oh, there he is. And before you know it, James Cook just lowered the shoulder. Again, they're not wearing pads. And he truck-sticked them. And he just, it it got a really big rise out of the offense, obviously, when he came back, a lot of of, uh, daps. And it's not anything to put on Dane Jackson. I really don't think that he saw him there. And it was kind of a surprise that he was on him that quickly, but that's part of that speed dynamic that really is just, it's so impressive for cook. Yeah. It's the extra gear. We've talked about it. You know, Devin Singletary, really good in open space, really good at making guys miss. Doesn't have that, that extra gear, that speed though, uh, that James cook has, Zach Moss, he was supposed to be the between the tackles guy. Short yards will, you know, time will tell if that's the case with him. James Cook can do, can do that. He can run the ball to the outside, do a little bit on the inside. 
pass catching back, but he has the burst. He has the explosiveness. He can make those big plays, turn nothing into something. And that's another uh, really valuable asset for this offense that has a lot of weapons already, but did not have a back like that. And, And mind you, you kind of saw where the Bills were going with this when they tried to sign J.D. McKissick in free agency. I still think that James Cook is a much more souped-up version of J.D. McKissick. So uh, McKissick backing out might have been a blessing in disguise to the Bills, the way things fell in this draft. Uh, you're right. You don't want to jump aboard the hype train too quickly here. Wait for the pads to come on, see if he can continue this throughout camp. But really strong start here for this rookie running back and, and a lot of reasons to be optimistic about him. Albert Breer from Sports Illustrated was in town. And whenever the national guys come in town, I'm always interested to see what they say after they leave because they usually check in with Bean and McDermott. And in those one-on-one situations, you kind of get an idea of a little bit more just because, you know, they're, they're, they're the national folks. They get, a, they get a little bit more love sometimes at, at, at training camp. That's okay. But Breer, one of his one of his notes from leaving here was that James Cook, the Bills view him as more than just uh, a passing running back, a, a pass game weapon. I mean, I think they view him, at, you know, similarly to Dalvin Cook, and that you know they're the, they're going to try to get him the ball, whether it be in the run game or the pass game. I mean, he's run the ball quite a bit the first three days. They've been cycling through all three guys. I think Devin Singletary's had some really nice moments. Um, he got some praise from. Uh, Aaron Cromer on one play from today where it was just like, he just looked great. And he he just walked over him just like dap him up or whatever. So Zach Moss, I think has looked really, really good the first three days. I'm I'm really excited to see if maybe he takes to the next level when, when uh, the pads go on, but cook, he just looks like a little bit more well-rounded than I think anybody even anticipated when they drafted him. And we all the post-draft uh, feedback that you, you read from the draft experts was like, all right, it's all about the pass game. Well, I think he might, impact things in the run game. And one play in particular, I found it in my notes. It was actually not a run play. It was a, it was a passive play. He had another run play. It was really good. He had a nice move, cut up field. But on this one, it was a little short dump off from Case Keenum. And he got one-on-one with Joe Giles Harris. And my man, Joe Giles Harris, has had an, a couple of nice plays over the last two years in training camp and preseason. He got at, he's got his ankles broken, Ryan Talbot. It was coming to, out to his left, he thought he kind of had him uh, dialed in, kind of uh, getting downhill, and he was running at Cook. And before you know it, whoop! And he was—I mean, he shifted maybe five yards. I mean, maybe t- maybe six yards, seven yards. It was such a dramatic cut up field that it 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 almost made Joe Giles Harris topple over. Uh, I think he kept his balance and was able to stay on his feet, but immediately was like, boom! Hit that hit that glide back up to full speed upfield. It's some special stuff. And again, I don't want to overreact to it. I can only bring to you what I'm, what I'm observing in practice. He had some really, really good moments today. Yeah. And Mike Giardi said something very similar NFL network reporter uh, about James cook and and what he brings to this offense. It's something different. So I'm intrigued to see where it goes, how heavily involved he is in in this scheme as a runner, as a pass catcher, uh, because I think the Bills think they have a good one. I think some people are, he's going to open up some eyes here very early on as a rookie. Some breaking news here. Julio Jones, I think people mentioned in the comments as well, uh, signing with the Buccaneers, joining Tom Brady and the boys. Uh, that's that's intriguing. What are your thoughts on that? Because uh, I know Chris Godwin's probably got some time. Uh, I don't know if he's uh, ready yet, if he's participating in any field 
uh, or teamwork yet in camp, but he's coming off the ACL as well. So that's an intriguing addition. He didn't do much in Tennessee last year, but if any spot would be benef- like a great spot to land if you're trying to you know, find some of that old magic, I think that, that would be an, a unique spot. Yeah, listen, it went when healthy, and that's, you know, when. They're four deep now at receiver. They have Godwin, they have Mike Evans, they have Russell Gage, and now they have Julio Jones. And I'm sure there's a few others that I'm not thinking of, but in terms of name value, those guys uh, all kind of pop off the page. So you you can see that uh, not having Gronkowski anymore, they might be going to more of a, you know, more receivers on the field, things like that. I know they signed, I believe they signed Kyle Rudolph too, now that that's a big signing by any stretch of the imagination. But you know, they're trying to make one more run. Tom Brady is literally year to year at this point. Uh, as he already retired once, this might be his last hurrah. So put as much talent around him as possible. Hope for the best when it comes to injuries. In the case of Julio Jones, he's dealt with a lot of them. He hasn't been the same uh, player for a few seasons now. But if he can stay healthy, he can be an asset to that team. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Where do you want to go next? Take take the take the wheel, Ryan Talbot. How about another frustrating day for Josh Allen, Matt? Mm. Yeah, it was. And, you know, you saw it today after one play, and I'll get to the play of the defensive line because I think that's a good transition from there. But it just seems like they're spending a lot of time, you know, talking through what the, some of the things that aren't going right. And at one point, you know, Josh Allen, you know, tried to throw it, was batted down at the line of scrimmage by Tim Settle, who's having himself a really nice camp the first three days. He was the topic of conversation today at the podium. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds, who played with him uh, back uh, at Virginia Tech, knows him probably better than anybody on the team. You know, that energetic presence that you've seen on some of the videos the Bills have put out, you know, it's been a welcome addition. Micah Hyde put him on a, he said he's louder than Isaiah McKenzie, but not nearly as annoying. So I don't know if that was a compliment, but. You know, there you have it. But Tim Settle made another big play today. Jordan Phillips, a couple plays later, they both batted down passes. So not only are they causing pressure up front, Von Miller didn't practice today. Uh, veteran rest day, signed some autographs after practice. They're getting pressure, but they're also getting their hands up and there's some size. Tim Settle's really tall. Jordan Phillips is really tall. Throwing lanes are, are, are kind of tough to, tough to find for Josh Allen. He came off went kind of walked back uh, past the huddle, took his helmet off. You could see the frustration as he kind of tried to reset things a little bit. Um, it's just miscommunications. There's been, there's been a lot of those, you know, overthrowing balls. Uh, there was one play where he bought some time relocating the pocket, saw Gabe Davis one-on-one down the field and, and he just underthrew it kind of a bit of a duck a little bit. And it just, it wasn't a good pass. So it's, it's something where if you, if you had this happen, where the offense isn't looking good. You want it to happen at this portion of training camp because there's a lot of runway here for them to get on the right page and fix things a bit. Yeah, there's there's still plenty of times. There's no reason for fans to hit the panic button yet. Uh, Still early in camp, a lot of new adjustments in terms of personnel, in terms of obviously offensive coordinator. Uh, And then Allen, you know, early on, he might be in his head a little bit. When when things like that happen, it's easy to get frustrated. It's easy to let that frustration build up. And 
uh, that, you know, that plays a role in some of your throws, overthrowing the ball, uh, holding it a little bit too long, whatever the case may be. But I, I wouldn't uh, worry just yet by any stretch of the imagination. But it's been a bit of a running theme here. Some bad throws, some frustration. Now you want to see what he can do from that. Can he turn things around? Can he put together, string together a few positive practices? There's no doubt in my mind he can. There's a reason he's had the, you know, the last two years that those weren't flukes by any stretch of the imagination. He's been playing outstanding football. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league. But days like this are going to happen, and it, sometimes they do string together just like good days string together. Micah Hyde said today, too, that they they saw a lot of this in OTAs and, and mandatory minicamp. They knew the quality of this defense coming into in, into training camp, and, the, and they'd have a chance to be this good. And he mentioned specifically the talent of that defensive line, and you're seeing it throughout. We mentioned Von Miller on the first two days being as good as advertised, but everywhere you look, Ed Oliver today with another couple of just massive wins. One in particular came against Tommy Doyle, kind of made an inside move, really just got himself physically on Doyle pretty quick as he was trying to set his feet. And then his quickness is so is so evident and so hard to deal with for, for a young offensive lineman that it's like, boom, he's passed some sacks, Josh Allen. Um, A.J. Epinesa today with a big win on the outside, put a double move on Deion Dawkins. So you're seeing it across the board. I think Bookie Basham's been, been really quick. I know people have been waiting for those updates on these defensive linemen. This is setting up to be some really, really interesting uh, matchups once we get the pads on on Saturday. I'm so excited that you're going to be here for that. And, you know, David Questenberry moving around on the offensive line a little bit. Spencer Brown still not participating after first, the first day in team drills. Hasn't been participating since then uh, in the teamwork. So that's put more on the plate of Tommy Doyle. David Questenberry, Cody Ford got a little bit of run again here today. And so those are the matchups that you're going to see. And, and, and so far, I think it's the, it's been defensive line uh, that's had the advantage here in the first three days of camp, which, you know, without pads, I think that's pretty impressive. And it shows that, that the overall speed and quickness of this group. Yeah, and listen, fans have been asking about Epineza the last few days, so that's a nice update to hear that he had made a nice play there. Uh, Boogie Basham, it looks like he's in really good shape coming into year two, which is promising. You have Greg Rousseau, obviously Von Miller with the veteran rest today, and then all those pieces on the inside. Uh, we, we've talked about it, Matt. The, the defensive line was the weak link of this unit last year of the defense. If they are stronger and significantly stronger at that, uh, this defense is going to be a force and a force to be reckoned with where I know they were the number one defense in a lot of categories and stats last year. Uh, but some of that had to do with the competition, the, the rookie quarterbacks and, and things of that nature. You get them, though, playing like this and it's not going to be a mirage. It's going to be impressive stats. It's going to be pressure sacks, turnovers galore. And then all of a sudden, you know, the offense doesn't have to get in shootouts and win. They they can kind of uh, hold the ball in the second half a little bit. They don't have to necessarily figure they have to go for 30, 40 every game, which I'm, I'm sure the offense wouldn't mind doing that by any stretch or, you know, wouldn't mind doing that at all. So uh, I really think that this this defense early on winning these early battles, it's really promising for the team. Uh, I know you said you might want to transition somewhere, but if you if you don't want to go there, I would like to talk about another defensive player that uh, had a, a nice day or uh, someone when you mentioned your observations, and that's Kyrie Elam. Yeah, uh, that was uh, must see today uh, when they got lined up together. Stefan Diggs and Elam uh, went went at each other two times in one on ones. We can get into a couple of the the takeaways uh, from that, but before we do, 
maybe just as important is figuring out how to make sure you're signed up for best rewards, value home centers, a loyalty program. Uh, one of the best out there. Uh, customers earn points for every purchase every day that will bring uh, you more savings. Uh, veterans and active military earn double points on every purchase every day as well. Visit valuehomecenters.com for more details. So the first one was Strive for Stride. I was really impressed with uh, Elam, who I think Diggs probably got away from a little bit at one point, but uh, stayed in the play. It was just a bad throw, so it went down the field. The second one was the one where... It would, they were really like, you know, fighting for every inch. I mean, stride for stride down the field. You saw the speed of Elam. Uh, Diggs was trying to kind of win the, win the, win the rep. And at the end, it ended up being an incomplete pass. And that, that's a big time play for a rookie, uh, a, a confidence building type of play going against Stefan Diggs. And I've watched him and Tredavious White go at it in years past, and it hasn't always gone well for uh, the all pro Tredavious White. So that's a, a big win for Kyer Elam. Throughout the rest of you know practice, it's it's a challenge, right? Like, I mean, he, he's having some good plays, he's having some challenging plays, but that's probably what you're going to see for the majority uh, of this training camp and into the preseason games as he tries to continue to evolve in what they're asking him to do now in this defense. Yeah, and you know we've talked about some plays where Elam's been beaten and beaten handily by Diggs. So to be able to go almost stride for stride, to be able to to make a play on a ball, uh, that those are going to be confidence boosters. Those are going to help his game, and he's going to get better and better as the summer goes along. Being able to go against a Stefan Diggs and a Gabriel Davis, uh, so th- that's what you want to hear. You want to hear these little bits and pieces of, of his game coming along and evolving. Knowing that, knowing full well that he might have a huge role on this defense uh, early on in the season, where he might be cornerback one or cornerback two, depending on the status of Trey White, be out there with Dane Jackson. Then once White's back, you know maybe he's in a um, he's he's not out there for the full game of snaps. They rotate a little bit between the two of them, but he's going to have a big role either way this season, Matt. And it's important for him to kind of learn on the job now, and we're starting to see some glimpses of that. I wanted to shout out one other specific play from one-on-ones, and it was maybe one of the – probably the best single play I've seen all of training camp so far. Damar Hamlin, one-on-one, uh, I believe it was Quentin Morris that he was up against. Uh, it was in the one-on-one drill, and he stayed with him stride for stride, which, listen, I mean, I, I would say Mark uh, Damar Hamlin's faster than Quentin Morris. is probably a safe bet. Uh, so that wasn't really the impressive part, but the ball got on Morris and Morris has had himself a really nice start to camp as well. And Hamlin made this really athletic play where he kind of held off uh, once the ball touched his hands, his right hand, he tipped it up with his right hand, held off Quentin Morris with his left, popped it up, was able to get his hands in, make the play, and then uh, run the other way. It was a really impressive play, and it got everybody kind of up out of their seats. And those are the kind of little plays in these one-on-one drills that I think will will be important for these young players. Speaking of young players, we probably should go to one really quick before we we end today's episode. Finally, some Baylon Spectre. To, to, to sprinkle into the podcast. We've talked about Terrell Bernard. He's had a couple of really good plays. It was against OJ Howard where Spectre uh, made uh, his presence felt. Uh, Howard got into the intermediate area of the field. I think it was Keenum that like rifled one in. Spectre played him, played the play great. And Howard, I think he touched his hands. Uh, Spectre kind of ripped it out, uh, affected the play at the catch point. 
made himself a really good play. And if he could start to develop some confidence in coverage, that could go a long way as he tries to kind of stave off some of those depth players. And we'll see what he does in the special teams in the preseason games. But a big play nonetheless for Balen Spector. Yeah, good start for him as well to kind of make a splash play here and there. Uh, the door is open for him to make this roster as the last linebacker uh, with Andre Smith being suspended for the first six games of the season. Smith was a big special teams contributor for this team. I think Spectre as a rookie could come in and, and do that immediately, especially over the course of the first six weeks with Smith out. And, and then you can kind of reevaluate. Do you want to put Spectre, try to get him on your practice squad and bring back Smith or whatever the case may be. But early on here, if he can show that he can be a valuable depth at linebacker while also being a special team standout, there's no reason to think he can't claim that number 52 or number 53 spot on this roster. Where are you at now with the wide receiver situation? Because, you know, there was a lot of hype from you heading into the seat heading into training camp. And again, Listen, don't over- overreact. We talked about some drops from Dawson Knox yesterday. We're just talking things through here. Like it's, uh, I don't think Dawson Knox is any is any danger. His, his spot on the depth charts in danger if he drops a couple plays of practice. But it's it's worth talking about if you know things pop up. Jamison Crowder misses a second straight day. Now it's soreness and tightness. We'll see how that evolves. The Bills don't have to put out an injury report. Jake Kumaro missed practice for the same thing today as well. Uh, but that's allowing guys like uh, Isaiah McKenzie to get. Uh, more of the run. Now, I will say he was getting the run before Jameson Crowder was injured. If you've been out of practice, you've seen it. I mean, Isaiah McKenzie, you know, has gotten a lot of run uh, at, at multiple spots. So uh, I, I don't necessarily think Crowder being out helps McKenzie. I think he was doing that on his own. But guys like Khalil Shakir, every time that he's on the field, it, it seems like he's making a splash play. He made another one today, a really good contested catch. Uh, he's really more physical than I thought Shakir. Uh, which is something that I think is is beneficial for a guy that's really good as a route runner, has that elite speed. Uh, so Shakir at the combine, he ran a four four three. So this dude has he's got some burners. He's got great footwork. He's got some route running, and if he adds some physicality, if he has some physicality in this game, this is a really good player. What does this all mean for Jamison Crowder, who was kind of a little bit buried even when they started training camp and at times during OTAs? Yeah, well, it's not good news for Crowder. I've talked a little bit about the lower body injury history that he's had. He hasn't missed significant time necessarily with that, but it's been a game or two here or there. It's been uh, maybe a few games in a season, and he's already dealing with with some tightness and things like that. And if it's happening already now, you have to worry a little bit if you're the Bills. Is this going to be something that's going to uh, happened throughout the year and you know that doesn't mean that he's not going to make this roster there's still a, a path for him to make the roster I'm not uh turning my back on Crowder yet I like you said I was very high on the signing I liked the signing quite a bit but it's it's helping Isaiah McKenzie just kind of almost uh win the job sooner rather than later and you mentioned he already had the lead in the competition he's already making plays for this offense he's doing all the right things he's been in this offense longer than any of the other receivers uh, you know, or with the Bills, I guess I should say, because Ken Dorsey's offense will be slightly different than Brian Dable's. Uh, so th- there's a lot of reason to think that this is going to help create even more separation between the two, but it also opens the door for Khalil Shakir. Shakir can get on the field sooner. He'll have more opportunities to make some plays. Uh, it, the longer this goes on during the summer, the longer this goes on, if it happens in the preseason. Now, mind you, Crowder could be back out there at the next practice. He could be out there 
Uh, by the time the pads come on and he could still make a name for himself and carve out a nice role for himself in the offense. But the longer any player is off on the sidelines, the more opportunity you're giving uh, someone to win the starting job outright, like Isaiah McKenzie, who I think is now the favorite uh, to win that slot job early on. And then for a guy like Shakir to kind of step in and get that opportunity that might have originally gone to Crowder. I mean, I'm going to update my 53-man roster projection right now, and that's even before the pads come out. And I'm going to have a surprise cut. I'm going to have him cut Jamison Crowder. I'm going to have him keep six wide receivers, Stephon Diggs, Gabriel Davis, Isaiah McKenzie, uh, Jake Kumaro, uh, Khalil Shakir, and Tavon Austin is going to be the sixth guy. I think he's versatile. I think he can do multiple things. And then I think that opens up a roster spot for Cam Lewis. Because you're going to keep Saran Neal primarily for special teams, right? But but depending on where where Trey White is, you're really going to want some depth, not only on the outside, but you know, Taron Johnson plays a physical brand of football as well. You're going to want some depth on the interior. And I think right now, Cam Lewis, you you could make an argument that like, if we were in a situation like, say they don't draft Kyer Elam and they have Tredavious White and then Dane Jackson is like the Levi Wallace, right? I think Cam Lewis had the potential to push a Dane Jackson for the starting job if that was the situation. Now it isn't, but I'm just I'm just posing a hypothetical. I know people are going to like the Jameson Crowder take, but I just think that you could probably get Crowder back on your practice squad too. You could probably do that with Austin as well, but I think that Austin might be more in the mix for a return job. We'll see. I don't know. There's there's a lot of things we have to see play out in the preseason games, but this is just something I'm uh, kind of thinking about. Yeah, and it's still early, like you said, so you don't want to write anyone off just yet, but there are some young players like Cam Lewis, who is making a name for himself, like a Nick McLeod, who's making a name for himself early on at camp, and they might force their way onto the roster, and that means that someone else has to be on, on the way out to, to make that fit, so... Uh, still early, still not writing anyone off just yet, but the more these younger guys at different positions make their case for us, a, a job or a roster spot, some veteran might find themselves on the outside looking in. James and Crowder signed on a veteran minimum deal. I mean, there wasn't a lot of people, you know, clamoring, knocking down his door that you got to look at the big picture. That role deteriorated in this offense last year. It's just a fact. I mean, Cole Beasley had a couple of really good games last year, and I think that there's still a place for that kind of player in this offense. I just wonder if he started camp on the third team. Yeah, no, it's it's. I don't think this is a. I don't think this is a massive hot take here. Maybe I'm crazy. I, I just think that there is a path to him not making the roster, and then the Bills trying to get him on the practice squad. I I, I think we've seen more established players uh, on practice squads across the league. Yeah, there's been there's been some really established players on practice squads, especially last year. So it, it's a possibility. Uh, I would still like to think, though, like like you know, Jessica said, we're not we're not writing him off yet. I know you're saying Matt did, but I think Matt, if if Jameson Crowder has a strong week, Matt, or when he comes back, I think you'd probably you'll be the first to note it. You'll be the first to say it. So he, he's not writing him off at this point. He's just saying the longer this goes on the more of an opportunity there is. And if he were to, to do a 53-man projection now, he'd have him off. Looking up the contract real quick, we're going to get out of here. One year, $2 million, so a little bit more than the veteran uh, mini, minimum. 1.87 guaranteed. 
I don't know. I, I think they've, they, they've eaten more. They ate more to get rid of Daryl Williams. So who, by the way, is still on the free agent market. A little bit of spice with Cole Beasley out there today. A lot yeah. of interest on the market, uh, apparently for Cole Beasley, according to Mike Garofolo, uh, maybe even entertaining a return uh, to the Dallas Cowboys to play with Dak Prescott. Stay tuned for that. I'm, I'm, I'm actually really interested. No, it's not worth up to $4 million with incentives. It's only worth $2 million, Jameson Crowder's contract. So there you go. All right, that'll do it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed the content. Like I mentioned, uh, my story is up over at the website. I'll have something on Stefan Diggs later today. I'm working on a big Khalil Shakir uh, feature for sometime this weekend. So stay tuned for that. Uh, We are brought to you by Value Home Centers. As always, make sure you get over to uh, valuehomecenters.com right now for the full uh, breakdown on their text program. Uh, you could text value V A L U to eight zero six nine two. Uh, you'll receive a $10 off a $40 purchase coupon. Plus be the first to know about new, new promotions, deals, and new products for Ryan Talbot. I'm Matt Perino. We'll, we will be back tomorrow. Ryan Talbot's going to be in town on Friday. We're going to live it up. Take care, everybody. Have a great night. Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.